0: they can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Water. And this is cutting through the matrix on June the 28th, 2011. For newcomers, you should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the hundreds of audios which are there for free download. There's so many to choose from, but at least, hopefully, you'll have an understanding of this system. Into which you're born, it truly is a system, a very well worked out and intricate system. Many levels of it, of really herd management on the general public, with big plans for the future. They have big plans in the past. They have accomplished the past goals, where they are now, and they're going on to the next set of uh, the, the goals and the agendas. A very old plan, as I say, it's, it's hundreds of years old, actually, but certainly in the beginning of the 20th century, they were churning out books for their own people to read, of course, which are still available, where they talked about this, this the proper society, the society that, that professionals and experts should design and plan societies and all of that kind of stuff, plan population sizes, gender types, the whole lot. To serve the greater good, you understand. And so I hopefully, by giving you all these audios and links and, and books to read, you can find out what really runs the system and why things are happening as they happen in your own lifetime and things that are still to happen that you will experience for sure. Absolutely. Definitely you'll experience them because these guys write the plans and they never change their minds. They always pull them off as they go along come hell or high water. And remember too, when you're helping yourself to the audios, you could help support me by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and seeing the books and discs I've got for sale and purchase them because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. And if I did, that would be sitting pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fine, pretty good, actually. But I'm not doing it the suicidal way. And, uh, it's up to you if you want to. It gives me a freer hand that way, you see. But, um, it's up to you if you want to support me. From the US and Canada, you can buy the books by using personal checks by sending uh, cash even, by using an international postal money order from your post office, or using PayPal to order using the donation button on the comm site. And you'll see the instructions how to order on that comm site. And if you send use the PayPal, follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And I'm happy to say that Canada Post is back from being on strike. Actually, they were, they actually were locked out by the government. In fact, the they did a partial strike at first, and then the government locked them out for about a week and a half or so. So we're still waiting for the mail coming in and going out. To start it started today, apparently. So it'll take a little while to clear up, but at least it's moving again. Uh, across the, the the seas there, you've got to order. You can, you've got Western Union, you've got MoneyGram, and again, you've got PayPal to order. Uh, send uh, an email afterwards with your name, address, and order, and I get it out to you. And remember, straight donations too are very, very welcome. Because as I said, I don't bring on advertisers. Really, as guests, lots of shows do that, which is fine if, if people have got if it's a business or whatever. This is not a business, and it also leaves me a uh, gives me a freer hand to say things I want to say uh, without being beholden to bunches of sponsors. The ads here on this show are paid directly by advertisers to RBN, Republic Broadcasting Network, for the show. And it pays for the staff and equipment and uh, their bills too, hopefully, um, to get this particular broadcast out. It's very vital. It's, it's done. So I certainly thank them for doing it, but I've got nothing to do with that, and I don't uh, get any cuts off it at all. So it's up to you to keep me going, and as I say, I can certainly go off and do other things if I have to do it. I'm really thinking about it because uh, the times are getting tough, as we all know. Fewer folk help you out or donate, and uh, the dollar is worth almost nothing. Uh, Scheduled to become even more nothingless shortly with inflation rising. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the Matrix. We do live in a dream, most of us, and we're brought up to, to believe we're in a kind of dream, not to really think about things too deeply. There's no need to think about things, in fact, because whenever they give you a news program on something which should be important, they always get followed up by two experts that leave you in limbo uh, on opposite sides of the fence. And that's all by intention as well. It's true what uh, some philosophers have said in the past, that most people don't think through things. They actually learn by osmosis. It kind of filters into your mind through little bits in movies and popular music and and little headlines in newspapers. It it filters in there. So you never really actually think through any particular program. It, It just arrives there one day. And uh, it's all components, of course, from, as I say, many different sources. But that's how they get get it into you. And remember what Brzezinski said. We don't have to think much, and it will become even more so in the future, because the public expect the media to actually do the reasoning for them. They don't come out and tell you that. We do. People say, well, if if the media tells you to worry about something, you will worry. If, If they mention something horrific, like radiation, and leave it at that or say, it's okay though, you'll, f- you'll be fine and you'll go out and play. That's how simple it works. We have been trained not to reason for ourselves. Mind you, we've all gone through the same school process and part of that intention too was to stop you from reasoning for yourself. So it's very easy to control massive populations because everyone's the same and technically if they were all insane, they'd think they were all perfectly sane because they would all have the same opinions. That's how we bounce our ideas off others around us and to see if they think the same way as we do. And then we say, well, I must be sane because I've got the same opinions as they have. But really, we're all in the dark like mushrooms, as I've always said. And there are big, massive organizations, well-funded by your tax money generally and by money from the big, big foundations. The big foundations together collectively are called the privates or the parallel government as Maggie Thatcher called it, and others have referred to it, made up of uh, ex-prime ministers and presidents who all know each other and can get the job done, as a Club of Rome has said, uh, because they're not responsible to the public anymore. They can actually get high-level meetings uh, done, run through, and, and formats laid out and go ahead and actually get things moving within different countries, internationally, of course, across the planet. And this is ongoing all the time. That's why you never see these guys fading away, like Clinton or any of them. They're all busy working behind the scenes as technocrats, they call them now. That's what Brzezinski called them. And uh, they are not responsible to any public, even though they're using millions and sometimes billions of your dollars to get their their particular part of the job done. And this is how the, the public are scammed all the time. Uh, and if you're, you mention it to you, what you think is your elected government, they say, well, we can't do anything about this organization because it's private. And that's then that's it. <laughs> Quite easy, isn't it? Uh, the Club of Rome said we are post-democratic. In democracy, you can get nothing really done. There's too many competing factions. And they make sure there's lots of competing factions. They're always adding more and more factions to it all the time. A lot of crazy ones as well, just to make it more confusing. And eventually they'll use all of that to say officially that we can't go on with that democracy. it, It just doesn't work anymore. When it suits them, they'll come out with that now that they've created so many factions. Now, I've talked about how this big system goes back for hundreds of years, actually, but you can find a lot of it around the time of Charles Darwin coming out into very old books now, of course, if you can get your hands on them and to do with population and and what types of society or even people should live on this planet and end up into inferior types, superior types, and all of that. It's quite easy for them to rationalize who were the superior types. They, they believed they were self-evident, the ones who'd come up through business, grabbed a hold of a lot of money, and maybe even led countries and were in business at the same time, because really like, that's what you do when you need a country, you're in your own personal business. And... Um, you accumulate lots of cash And hang on to it for a few generations By interbreeding with the right people Like Charles Darwin's family Only interbred for five generations With the Wedgwood family For, for instance There's an example for you And they'd all been at this for a long time you see So they looked at the common people And said the reason that they, they can't improve themselves that was nothing to do with the fact They're born in poverty And once you're born in it You just can't get out of it Especially with no education or contacts but uh, they believed that they were what they would now call today junk genes. They believe all the evolution uh, has come to pass that it can be with this particular type of species and therefore the elite, those who have accumulated the cash and have got important positions of power across the world and their family members should run the world instead. That's what they've been, they believed for a long, long, long time. And they've been doing it too. And they're also ter- terrified as well of having too many people. That was one of the prime uh, worries at one point. Now you understand these characters, uh, target populations. And there are lots of uh, associations, some sound very benign, some sound awfully charitable in fact, to do with help, it's almost to do with helping you and helping women across the world. Uh, make choices, which means they go in with the United Nations using your tax money and the umbrella organizations all working under them, and they, they basically sterilize them or get free abortions consistently, uh, but often they sterilize them, too, at the same time. And this went out with Kissinger a long time ago, too, when he brought out um, his little policy on the greatest threat to the nation was overpopulation. Uh, most folk think he, he meant simply third world, but he did not. And these boys put a lot of uh, little secret laws into action. And you've got to understand, they don't just talk about things. These people at the top do it. They go ahead and do it. And you'll find people like Bertrand Russell, who also was part of this global intelligentsia, uh, describing in his own books that they could actually sterilize people by the needle as vaccinations. You know, people are trusting, you see, we're rather trusting, we're trained to be trusting. And they always want to help us at the top. So here's free flu shots or free this or free that. And the quickest way to to basically sterilize you is, is straight into your body. Uh, the water supply was another way to do it. And then your food. Well, they've gone for all of that. They've done all of that. So we're we're, we're going down. Not only sterilize you, but make you a bit more dimmer. Especially your, your, your ability to be aggressive when required. You understand, being aggressive when required is part of as a survival mechanism. All animals have it. That's why they're still around. Even a rabbit, a mother rabbit's is going to bite you really bad if you put the hand down the hole where, where the, baby, the babies are. She's awfully aggressive. But for the majority of the public, you have not to be, especially men, they cannot be aggressive anymore. It's a bad thing. And that's why they've been giving you your bisphenol A for about a 100 years now. They knew in the late 1890s what it did to males uh, by testing it on the populations in London, England. So there's nothing new under the sun, and that's why they made uh, drinking out of plastic bottles uh, a fad. They set the trends, and all the the people down below copy the fad because they can't think for themselves. Anyway, during the Cold War, an organization was set up uh, and most people know it for really uh, being a negotiating table, supposedly, between East and West. And it was an organization uh, for security and cooperation in Europe. And uh, that's what people know it for. But its biggest goal is depopulation. Depopulation, not just of the third world. It's actually mainly of the first world countries. And these guys had big members. They're members of the, the, the arts and entertainment, of course, because that's what your that's how they give you your culture. Remember what's what? Some um, the CEO of UNESCO said. United Nations Educational Scientific Organization said too, and that was Julian Huxley. We'll create a society where basically it'll be incredibly promiscuous, and we'll we'll take care of any problems, being an abortion and. Uh, so the great thing is they have lots and lots of sex, but they can produce no children. That would be ideal. And I've read from his own book that very part of it. I understand living here. And he was a member of all these organizations. But back to this particular one I'll put up tonight, I'll put the links up of all these articles, through the com at the end of the, the night. And um, this organization now is going in and talking about... Uh, the, the 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 basically demographics they call it. What they mean is population uh, ratios in all European and North American countries. And they were given the task before to implement all the, the different, especially through again women's rights. It actually meant they wanted to convince women to have abortions. <laughs> That's what they were really after. And how it's really affected society and how the the population rate has plummeted, plummeted. And right down to the state where it might not even be recoverable for certain. Let's call them what they are. They're races in Europe and elsewhere. And they're very happy with that. Uh, but they also say that they can get lots of immigration in to take over and and carry on paying off the debt. Now remember, let's get back to square one. We're not dealing with fools here who do something and say, "My God, we're killing too many off." And the, the baby, it's, what's a baby boomer anyway? Baby boomer, we've always had children. Folk had more children uh, before the baby boomers than ever before. But you see, that's when they decided to bring all of these things into effect with the 1950s and onwards, claiming that, yeah, they wanted to depopulate, but eventually they wouldn't be enough to pay off the national debts, which they knew they were going to incur with lots of wars. And they also knew they were going to bring in a welfare state as well, And they also knew that they were going to give disincentives to to marriage and having children by making it awfully expensive to do so. This is all in their books. And they also had a plan too that eventually, when there were not enough of you and there's too many elderly and not enough young folk to eventually take care of the elderly, mainly on an economic basis. By the way, they want you see all you all you are to them is an economic unit. Paying taxes and taking a lot of weight into a healthcare system to take care of the elderly is not economically profitable for them. You see, we're being farmed. I'll get back to the same topic when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about what this one of the many organizations working at the United Nations, uh, to do with all of us. And they have a big agenda, an agenda which they never disclose to the general public or seldom do. And if they do, the public, um, can't actually read between the lines or listen to the little bits they're being saying, that they're being said. So tonight I'll put up an article which has got a link to the video and is put up, um, by Sovereign Independent, I think. And you can listen to two hours of it if you want. One of these so-called professionals, one after another. You'll notice most of these professionals, by the way, also work for governments in geopolitics. That's the ones who who work out future wars and taking down populations like Muslims. They actually mention Muslims in this this particular two-hour video because they say they're 30 years behind the times, meaning they still believe in marriage, they have children, and they're not playing the game of sterilization and abortion. That's what they mean by that. So I'll put this one up tonight, and you can listen to it for yourself and listen to these. These are are the well-paid lackeys of the ones who really control the world that you'll hear talking. Well, well-paid well lackeys, that's what they are. And they work for governments too. They're almost like freelancers for government, but they're always working for their big masters above. And you'll understand they're already internationalists if you hear them talking, and I'll give you no more clues in that. But anyway, uh, it says, um, they actually mentioned too, by the way, that there are organizations, separate organizations and private organizations and governments in Europe who are out sterilizing the populations. They actually mentioned that part. For those who miss it, try not to miss it. If they, when, when you hear it, repeat that part over and over to yourself to so you understand what they're saying. Because most of you won't want to believe it. And therefore you just toss it out your minds afterwards. They've, all, they've been at it for a long time. That's why most in the Western world are going sterile. It's official policy, and the next part of the policy is to flood. Flood. They're talking about doubling and tripling immigration, as, even from China and India into Europe and America to take over the fact that we we can't have children. And most people won't get married anymore because they've been trained awfully well, and the, and the, they've that's their, their training has taken very well. And children cost money, and it would interfere with their lifestyle of partying. You know, so that's what they want to do. And I'll put this this link up as I say. You can watch it, don't and, and save it, and go over it a few times because you will hear the little quip here and there, that, and they really mean what they're saying because these, these guys don't just sit and talk. They, they they bring out policy after these meetings, and then they implement it through governments quietly. You see. And so I'll put that one up, and I'll also bring up. Um, a Rand one. I'll give, it, give you a link to the Rand organisation. This strange company that's a non-profit, a charitable organisation that works only for massive governments and incredibly large international corporations making their policy the same company that had us all numbers in their big machines during the cold war uh, uh, because they ran uh, a good part of the cold war uh, to do with what you would do personally in crisis situations they do it for hospitals they help design the system to take down the british uh, national health system. They helped do one for Obama, where they're taking down the medical system of the USA. It's just simply not economically feasible anymore, you see. And um, uh, and here they are again on population control. And they actually mention... Now, you, you, here's going against the grain of all the, the newspaper announcements from Ted Turner and all that their usual ones are, oh, there's too many people. Well, no, there's too many people they are claiming in third world countries according to the RAND reports and so on, because we've been plummeting everywhere else. Anyway, the, the report, this one was 2004, they keep referring to, this also oh, a more recent report, they actually remember to, they're always going back to 2004, and they published one of their first um, reports called Low Fertility and Population Aging. Now they knew they were bringing us down, by de-industrialization long before that, meaning there'd be a lot of people with no work. And we're only only economically viable when we're fit and healthy and working for the big system, you see. And they have taken all our work away again through signing the agreements with the World Trade Organization, which benefits all international corporations by taking all the factories over to China. And then you're left with a lot of people with not much to do, you see. Anyway... Here they go again, and they talk about the fact that the population in the Western world uh, had plummeted, uh, as was intended, by the way, through culture, training, and education, abortion, and the fact that once you train people to be awfully promiscuous, they generally can't meet with anybody anyway uh, to have a child of their own and don't want to. And they talk about that too as economically uh, expensive to have a child, and they go through all the possible things you could do in this report from for Rand. Uh, to 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 offset that, if they want to offset it. But again, they go into, we can take in massive immigration from uh, the countries, especially uh, India, China, the Asian countries, Far East as well. So uh, they go through the whole thing for you. It's quite a lengthy report. I'll put that link up too. And you can look at, for those who are really interested in what's happening, I mean, really, really interested in what, there's very few people, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you even in what they think of the, as a patriot movement, who really want to understand the whole big system. Most simply grab the frightening news of today, which is replaced by the frightening new, news of tomorrow. <laughs> it's just like addicted to frightening news. You've really got to know what's behind it to understand what's happening and to give you any power at all. Back with more after this.
1: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
0: Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system with when it trained us all, of course, not to have children and made it very expensive to have children and actually taught a lot of women they call them rug rats that was a common term so they would despise children in a sense as a way of holding them back from careers or or having lots of boyfriends and that's all you had since the 60s onwards is a escalating promiscuity exactly as was planned by the way and uh, they knew back in the 1920s and 30s with studies and special schools that were set up with royal charters to do things to children that would be called perversions today, like you know, Bertrand Russell ran one of them, trying to get children who were uh, uh, to engage in sexual activity and become hooked on it before puberty. And he said, it's worked very well. If we can encourage children to do this, they'll never marry, or very few of them will. And if they do marry, they won't stay together for very long. And it's been proven absolutely right. So we've been awfully good people at doing what we're told to do and what our masters wanted us to do, you know, the big shepherds at the top, the farmers. And now that we're plummeting like a stone and we're we're supposed to compete with the rest of the world, there won't be enough people left to compete, even if we had any work, work to go to in the first place. See, we're just, they don't keep uh, loose animals around if, it's, if you're not economically viable. You understand? That's what farming's about. And this is what all this is about, too. So they even talk in this RAND uh, uh, study here that they could increase mortality. In other words, the death rate. Isn't that nice? This has all been discussed at top levels. And how do they do that? Well, part of the thing you do is introduce new diseases. That's easy enough too when you've trained all the elderly to go for flu shots every year. Next thing they know, they're down with crippling diseases. And pneumonias kill them off like crazy afterwards. Do you think it's all coincidence? No, this is, this is the way it is, folks. You don't tell the children, that's all of you out there and all of, all of the, across the whole world, don't tell the children the bad news. Let them be happy to the very end. But they also talk about, um, Ways that they could even encourage fertility, which means they know they've already made us pretty well sterile. <laughs> so it's interesting. So anyway, they, they did all the studies in all the countries, including North America and elsewhere, too, and how everyone's been awfully good as an animal. And uh, we rot like bunnies, but we don't have any children. So we've been awfully good, but a bit too good, actually. And now lots of folk can't even have children. One of the fastest growing industries, and has been for quite a few years now, are, are, happens to be in the fertility clinics. So that should tell you right off the bat, something has been done to most people. And there's lots of evidence. And I could go on about this all night, but I won't. Because I've, gone, I've done so many particular broadcasts before about this type of thing. But watch the video, and then look at the RAND PDF. And for those who are serious and can retain memory and put things together, and not just live for crisis after crisis, then you'll have a better understanding of what's happened and what's intended to happen in the future. Then when you see headlines in the paper, they'll make sense to you because it's all part of the plan. That's how it is. And of course, we get more and more about um, euthanasia. That's part of the mortality, Getting bringing, increasing mortality rate uh, is euthanasia. And we get, they've slashed to the bone the health services in places like Britain, if you want to even call it the health service anymore. They're doing the same, by the way, in the U.S., very quietly, because I, I'm in touch with different people in different hospitals. And they have been for a, for a few years, even before Obama came in, because he's just another figurehead as we go on with the same plan. And, uh, and eventually the U.S. Is, is going to cut back and cut back to a, a, a third world level like Britain. Leading doctor, should the National Health Service spend millions keeping alive terminally ill patients for a few weeks? Now I could, I could change that heading and say, should the National Health Service spend millions keeping alive millions of terminally ill patients for a few weeks? You understand how they can just sway your whole first impression by omitting a word. Because if it's spread amongst millions of people who are coming down with cancers, on cue, by the way, because you can give them, we've all had our flu shots and our polio shots and so on. Where the, the, you know, they put in cancerous cells. But this is the kind of story you're going to get more and more of. A leading doctor has questioned whether the cash-strapped National Health Service should continue to spend a fortune keeping terminally ill patients alive. Dr. Brian Cayley, uh, chairman of the British Medical Associations for Scotland, says tens of thousands of pounds are spent on drugs to extend some cancer's victims' lives by just weeks or months. We spend Millions of pounds each time they have a G20 meeting there every other year, uh, just for the sort of going to eat awfully well, get drunk and have lots of prostitutes. Billions and security, you know. So let's toss that one out the window too. What he's actually saying is, you're not economically viable. You're not producing. That's what they're really saying to you. But anyway, this, this, this. Prick goes on to say, we have to make a decision on some of the oncological treatments that have limited outcomes, remembering that 80% of money is spent in the last three years of life. Well, so what? You see, people never ask the question, what's our purpose of living in the first place? Are we here to serve an economic system? They'll tell you, yes, you are. They just not tell you through your school that your purpose to, of living is to serve the economic system. Because you're a farm animal. And their farmers want to rake in a big profit every year. Anyway, he says, they must be looked at critically. We have to keep development and innovation and keep pressing the boundaries against the ravages of terminal illness, he says. Now, he's start with people who paid into the taxation systems their whole lives long. They paid more taxes probably than anybody else in Europe or North America, for that matter. But now that they're old and... Um, They want them out of the workforce too, by the way, to get the younger folk in, what's left of the workforce. And uh, they don't want to spend any cash on them. They want to keep all the money that you spend in. In fact, they don't want you living for your pension. They want to take your pension. The Prime Minister already said, in another article before, he said that, uh, oh, they just found spare pocket money to set up the communitarianism idea of decentralization so many billions of of pounds because unclaimed money from elderly people meaning they died off and unclaimed their pensions we're suckers we are we're such fools and suckers because we've been trained to be and the train is to be egocentric and hedonistic so that we won't care what happens to others and when you're young you don't you don't I'm great I've got a vulnerable circle I'm fit and healthy and I'm living in in a sexual candy shop and that's what you do your life until you get a bit older. Then you see, my God, what a wasted life. Now where do you go from there? Then they've got big plans for you. What's your economic viability to the big business they call it your country? Because all your country is is a corporation. And you're just a, a component in it. So we're gonna see, we'll see more and more articles of, of these characters. You know, specialists and experts come out saying, oh, gee, we can't afford to keep people alive anymore. But we can afford to spend billions across the world uh, sterilizing women in third world countries and giving them abortions. It's amazing how we can can spend billions on wars that nobody wants, except the big corporations. Astonishing, isn't it? Billions on G20 meetings. But when it comes to looking after your own people, you see, you are not their people. You better understand that. (laughs) They've never been your people at all. That's one of the big uh, truths at the top. Now another one too is, I've always said behind charities lie a a wealth of corruption because people, again, because we're nice people, we don't want to, we want to think that, oh, we cheat people who help people are so nice, let's give them cash. And the biggest scams forever have always been hidden behind charities. There's an article here about radiation fears at Fukushima and how children near nuclear plants are given monitors to wear around their wrists. Sounds awfully nice, right? It's a genuine article. A Japanese schoolgirl girl past residents of Fukushima prefecture appealing for a halt to nuclear energy outside the TEPCO annual shareholders meeting, blah, 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 blah. Tens of thousands of children living near the, the, the plants are given personal radiation monitors. As concern grows over the long term health effects of exposure to radiation, but then you jump to the next one. Where is all the money coming to buy all this thing? All, all this stuff to help the children. They're lovely children. we love children, don't we? You understand there's more <laughs> there's more abortions in North America than there's live children and here we are we love children. What a bunch of liars. What hypocrites people are, eh? Anything they they're saying. Lady Gaga sued over a Japanese charity scam. You know, Lady Gaga, the whore, that, that literally should be in a third-rate strip joint, but she'll do anything for cash. Uh, mind you, she's well-managed by the people behind her who know exactly what they're doing. And, of course, she's a role model for all children to copy, and some mums think it's awfully, awfully nice, uh, you know, that the, the children dance to this stuff and act like prostitutes at the age of three and four by pole da- dancing. No kidding, I've read the articles here. Anyway... According to RadarOnline.com, uh, five U.S. Uh, million dollars, a lawsuit has been filed against the the Judith singer, saying, uh, claiming she scammed money for the sale of her "We Pray for Japan" wristbands. The money is supposed to go to victims of the earthquake and tsunami which devastated Japan in March. The superstar charged five dollars for the wristbands, three dollars ninety nine as well for shipping and handling, and another sixty cents in taxes. Lawsuit claims she inflated the costs and kept the extra cash for herself. Uh, and was soon Lady Gaga simply to hold her accountable for giving the money that she was raising for charity to the cause that she was trying to raise it for, says Ari Krish, an attorney for 1 800 Law Firm. It's called 1 800 Law Firm. The attorneys claim that they have contacted Gaga's representatives who refuse to disclose how much money is being retained by the star for the sales. And, um, Uh, uh, Elson Oliver explained, when you use celebrity and your power as a musician to take money from people under false pretenses, that's just wrong. When we tried to communicate with the defendants in the lawsuit, all we got was, well, some of the money is being retained, but we don't really know how much. That's the essence of the response we got. They probably get these things for about 10 cents, 15 cents, these response, because they're mass-produced, you know, mass-produced. But uh, charity is good, you understand, and these people... Are really nice people, you know, and that 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 makes you feel better about the fact that they're enticing all young girls to be to behave and become what she portrays on television. As I say, it's not really her. They have picked a thousand or a million uh, Gagas. That's the and the music industry is the ones who come in to make you a star that are important, and that's how they do it. it. Doesn't matter if you've got talent or not. They make you a star. They make you a star. The star makers, they call them, and you think the music industry has nothing to do with politics. Everything in the music industry is politics. The other night I talked about schools in Sweden, but elsewhere too, who've done away with the term him and her, because it's you know it's it's, it's not gender neutral enough. In the 70s, every musician who wrote music was told that all they would ever do to get on, if you'd have if you want anything sold. You'd have to write music and put it in the words and so on. It had to be gen- gender neutral. You couldn't say he or her anymore. And very few folk in the, in the public ever stopped to question. Gee, they used to sing about her and she's beautiful and, and that suddenly all stopped. And you could put it to it anything. It could be your, your dog or your cat or anything at all. That was all because a decision was made at the top by the star makers. And Even during uh, the punk rock and all the rest of it, it was all to do with socialism, pushing socialism by the ones who ran all the groups. That's all it was about. The ones who ran all the groups. Because they're the culture industry, they create the culture. And they work with the United Nations and the previous groups I just talked about on depopulation and so on. They're all connected. All of them. Now, you can't win in this system. I keep telling people it's not designed that you win. You'll do all the right things. When the government does this, you'll move to this, and uh, okay, I'll put my money here, and, and they, they grab it regardless, one way or another. Yeah, it's not meant that you win, because they have the whole think tanks working on how to get everything from you. And if you think you're smart, you say, well, okay, they're, they're trying to get us into this interdependent system where, where we'll we, we need everything. We need the system to live in. Uh, we need, for everything that we need, heat, fuel, clothing, uh, food, everything—you you must be interdependent, meaning you're totally dependent on the system. That's what they want—an interdependent world, living under the bosses. And when you try to get off the, the grid and so on, here's what they do to you. This is from England: a couple living an off-grid lifestyle say they face prison unless they move from their own land in Willand. This is in Devon, and return to an existence in the benefits trap. They're be unemployed on benefits, living in welfare. Stig and Dinah Mason bought a muck's bear orchard, an orchard, an old orchard, after a sudden windfall allowed them to quit their impoverished lives on a Hertfordshire Council estate two years ago. It must have scratched in winner or something, who knows, or maybe a, a will And it says The Masons have transformed what they described as a derelict four acre plot into a haven of self sufficiency, boasting a 400 square metre allotment. A polytunnel and greenhouses to grow fruit and vegetables, chickens and eggs for production and an orchard where they have regenerated, uh, it was an old orchard, they regenerated by planting around 14 new apple trees of various species. The couple who have two boys, aged nine and nine, well that, that's another strike against them, they've got children as well, eh? say because they moved onto the site in order to work the land, Mid Devon District Council is turfing them off as officers do not consider them to be conserving an, an agricultural area. So here you are trying to make a go of it, be independent. You've been probably on welfare before, no work. Uh, gets a little bit of cash, you buy this place, and in comes, you know, the local government to kick you off your own land because because uh, you're not really conserving an agricultural area. They've deemed all property for different purposes now. They faced magistrates on March 31st when they were served with an injunction to leave within 28 days from June the first. Dinah, 35, who spent a year with her husband, clearing four-foot-high nettles and thistles, which engulfed the four-acre site, said, How can anybody say the orchard was being conserved before is beyond my comprehension? It would probably abandoned, you see, in this running wild. Dinah works well. Stig, 34, as well as making sure the children get to school in time, tends to the land on a daily basis where peas, potatoes, garlic, strawberries, raspberries, and various produce have been growing since 2009. There are vegetarians, the claimants council officers offered them bed and breakfast accommodation. In other words, get off your land, but what, and the, the council will give you bed and breakfast accommodation in Columpton at taxpayers' expense and suggested they live on uh, takeaways, takeaways, you know, that junk food that kills you off, which are likely to cost around £20 for each family meal. This is what the lens that government will go to rather than allow you to be independent. Do you understand? Independence is not to be allowed. That's what all the mantras are about at the top, across the world. Dinah's income currently provides the family with everything they need, which they cannot grow themselves, but is unlikely to stretch to cover kenneling costs for their dogs and so on. She says they currently receive no state handouts. They don't want them, but giving up their off-grid way of life, they fear they will end up in a council house claiming housing and council tax benefits, as well as seeking grants to help pay for high utility bills. That's how bad it is over there, folks. You have to get help from the government to pay for the fuel so you can live through the winter or you die of the cold, like thousands of elderly do already. And now it's normal. Except as being normal. The 25,000 die off in the winter. Again, kill off the elderly. You see, you see how it fits together. You understand how it fits together. I hope you really do. I hope your minds are really working. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And there's a caller there from Illinois, Frank. is Frank there. Let's see if he is.
1: Hi. Good evening, Mr. Watt. I really appreciate you taking my call. And I know I'm short on time, but but I'm a physician, and I work in geriatric medicine through um, the northern part of Illinois and uh, Indiana. And I work primarily in nursing homes. I just wanted to verify a point you brought up. I began to get very suspicious of these uh, vaccines because every year, Come September, October, there's a massive push to uh, inoculate or vaccinate all the geri, all the folks in the nursing homes, and that's primarily what I do. I do geriatric nursing home care, and then by Christmas time, January, we have these massive die-offs. And and I'm telling you, I've done this. I've been in this field for 15 years, and I see this all the time. And you know what? You really you brought up an excellent point, and I just wanted to thank you. I, I've been trying to put this together. It's just, and you—you you blame the holidays, you blame the, uh, the winter, and all that kind of thing. But, in like I said, the last couple of years, some friends and I, we've become very suspicious of uh, vaccines, based on basically what had happened last year. But I just wanted to thank you so much, and keep doing, keep keeping us informed and i hope you do a little more research and bring this up several more times on your show i really appreciate it
0: yeah Yeah, i've actually got stuff on the website on previous talks i've given on just on vaccines and uh all the evidence that's been accumulated but i noticed it myself years ago in canada even because everywhere when the flu broke out supposedly it always began in geriatric uh, nursing homes and then they, they would tell you it was carried out into the public by visitors but I, I, well, they were the first ones always to get the flu shot in the homes. So here, so if the thing prevents the flu, how are they coming down with pneumonias and dying off as soon as the darn thing is given? I mean, this is an agenda. It's an agenda. And then we've already done the sock vaccine and the fact that he knew. Uh, and, and it's actually, I gave a reference to a, an old... Um, film that was done, a documentary on Dr. Salk. He belonged to the American and British Eugenics Society. Most of his papers were on depopulation, the the, the need to reduce the population drastically, and suddenly became a hero because he's changed his mind and wanted to help people with the vaccine for polio. And from then on, people came down with all kinds of uh, aging diseases, early arthritis. We never used to have juvenile arthritis like this. Um, and, and, of course, sterility, too. And, of course, the simian 40 virus that came in, in every polio shot. Uh, the only function it has is apparently to, co- to cause cancers. So uh, it makes perfect sense a, a top eugenicist whose goal was depopulation would come out with something to help the people just like the charities do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, you, and you have this information on, on your website. I'm relatively new to your show. so I.
0: Yeah, I've got lots, uh, lots of this information and links, too a lot of the talks. Uh, I, I should still maybe have the link to the Dr. Salk uh, vaccine link where he talks himself and then uh, his staff that worked with him talk about it, admitting they knew all these contaminants were already in the polio vaccine, and but how they thought that the benefits outweighed the risks, even though they knew it would probably give people various diseases down the road. So this is how they, they rationalize it to the public and to themselves.
1: Yeah. Incredible. It's so incredible. I, I can't, like I said, I can't thank you enough and this, this helps tremendously because I'll go to your website and do the research and check it out but I hope you continue with the medical aspect of it because there is just so much going on I, and I could talk to you another time about it. Well,
0: Martin Russell, who was a top member for the United Nations and depopulation too, said by means of injunctions and the needle, the needle, he said we shall reduce the population he says and create the proper kind of population we want, not too bright, etc. with the needle. That's what he said. And the food. But the needle was his big one. <laughs> he was at top United Nations meetings. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.